Sideboob Cinema is a retrospective movie show for adults only. Educational, satirical, transgressive. It's just entertainment and we're not out to offend, but at the end of the day, Frank Zappa said it best. You either get it or you don't. Roll the tape. Welcome bored, middle-aged women, kinky milfs, people who like a good seance, those working in the circus, and all you cool kids who see dead people, like all the time. This is Sideboob Cinema, your podcast within a podcast. My name is Ricky Orpike, and joining me tonight are my fellow milfs and dilfs, AJ and Jonathan Astro. AJ, do you own a Ouija board? <laughs> I don't. We had one as kids. Really? But I don't. Yeah. I, my brother made one. Oh, my mum my would never let that shit in the house. Like a wooden one. Wow. Like, yeah. well, did, he, did he make it in like shop class? <laughs> I wish he did. <laughs> <laughs> and John, do you like a sexy next door neighbor? Uh, yeah. I mean, look, I've got very sim- simple <laughs> desires. Um, look, I'll, it's a bit related, but whenever I go to the beach, I pray there's a topless woman. <laughs> yes. so I know that's sort of different to your question, but does that sort of answer your question or? Yes, definitely. Okay. I, I, I remember those days as a kid, like the excitement of going to the beach, like mm. you might see one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's good. So anyway, um, yeah, I do. So so tonight we are doing our second Federico Fellini film, Juliet of the Spirits, 1965, first colour film for Fellini. Am I correct, Ricky? Yes. And uh, so you know, we've just we've just launched straight into it because this is arguably this is quite. Well, what do we say? Some people say this is the beginning of the end of Fellini. You know, do they? I I know nothing. So Fellini had this early period, which was these neo-realist films, uh, emotional, black and white. Dare I say, fairly simple. Uh, and then he increasingly became more and more stylized over his career and then ultimately by the end was just, you know, uh, completely flamboyant, esoteric, and and so you either love the early stuff or you're, or, or you're not into the late stuff maybe, um, but then there are but, – but, but they're sort of – it's a snake eating its tail because all the good stuff is still there and and so this was seen as a you know i mean he he'd already done a uh, a bunch of his big ones you know eight and a half and knights of kiberia and all that and so uh people are starting to go all right he's starting to get um a little bit impenetrable here perhaps or or you know a bit high on his own supply maybe well it, it, is it controversial to say that i i found this film more accessible than eight and a half and and I had a better time. Like, is that controversial to say? I agree. That's interesting. It look, it might be only because the, the such luminaries enjoy eight and a half. So really, what you're saying is you are uneducated. Uh, and, We're basic bitches. Foolish <laughs> and ridiculous. And yes, because Martin Scorsese and David David Lynch would be, David Lynch would be like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> Juliet of the spirits can fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure they wouldn't say it. It could. It, it should fuck off. No, no, but... they love it. They love it. No, so it, it definitely. <laughs> I, 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 but I, I, I'm, I'm to tease it out a bit more. What, what did you like? Um, in contrast to Eight and a Half, which we just watched. What, what, what was it about that film and this film that was different for you, both of you? I think, I think that the story is maybe a little simpler. Like, like there's weird stuff that happens, but because it's sort of. Uh, the, I guess the visions that that Juliet is having it sort of makes a little bit more sense. So I guess it's a little bit more easy easy to take on that. It's sort of on that basic level. Like when you see a lot of this surrealist weird stuff happening, it's her strange visions. Um, but also, I I just think it was it was more playful as well. Like especially with the costumes and the sets and the way stuff moved, uh, it was still quite high on the dialogue as in eight and a half, but maybe a little bit less. 
because you know I, I mentioned that I struggled a little bit with with so much so so many subtitles in eight and a half that I thought it it really took me out or I wasn't able to experience the amazing cinematography because of those subtitles. Mm. Um, yeah, I just think it's a little bit more playful. I really like her. I really like Juliet. Juliet. Yeah, this is their yep. fifth film, I think, together. Um, I really like the way her eyes could tell you what's happening. <laughs> Just basis, yeah. Yeah, just pe- people have mentioned that glances, yeah. and um, I thought, yeah, she's very, she's very innocent, and yet the film isn't. That's mm. true. That, that yeah. is true. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. You, you really hit on it there, Juliet. Julieta Messina's uh, got got a a, a a a purity about her that is mm. because all of the stuff in it could come across as as just a lecherous pig man's dream. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, I, I was a question I had was is um, is this slut school for Fellini's frigid <laughs> bore of a wife? <laughs> I actually think that it's quite unfair that it is his wife playing. <laughs> yes. In that regard, because they do fall on that. She looks unhappy, but this is. Um, this plays into their real life mm. and and maybe that's completely unfair like we don't know how much of a pig man he was really maybe he got all his desires out on film i doubt it but <laughs> aj just to give you a little sense of how much of a pig man he was so sandra millo the the actress that plays susie the hot next door neighbor fellini had an affair with that actress right cast her in this film his wife knows about it and she's Acting alongside her. How does yeah, that? So how does rough. that work? That, that's real rough. <laughs> <laughs> Is she just cool with it? Like, I don't know. They have some sort of open relationship. Yeah, but then on the other level, aren't you a bit like, what's the big deal? What? What? I made you a star, didn't mm. I? <laughs> and they are Italian. <laughs> Italian. <laughs> Known mm. for mistresses and. Mm. Well, before I get into the synopsis, just a couple of little things. So to to round out the eight and a half uh, discussion. This film is seen, I guess, as a companion piece to Eight and a Half. It's seen as the the uh, female perspective of mm. the philandering yep. husband, because the husband, I guess, is is basically Guido. He's in he, rather than a director, he's in public relations. He's around models, and he's sort of off doing all of that. And so we get the the other side of it there. And I, I, once I I happened upon that that uh, you know perspective i was like oh okay this is that 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 really sort of unlocked the film for me um the first time i saw this film i had no fucking idea what was going on and it wasn't even this time like like, this was years ago i put it on i just i i watched it and i I, it finished and i was like i I was like i have no idea what happened and i just never thought (laughs) about it again Really, even with the hot neighbor and the and the and the slide that goes into the pool and the mirrors on the ceiling, cool. I just was not ready for any of it. <laughs> and there's all this one little one little uh, 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 a bit of trivia that that uh, so did you recognize one of the maids? Oh no, I didn't. So one of the maids, uh, her name was Melina Vukotic. She was in another film we watched playing a maid. Oh. In a French film called "The Screech Charm of the Bourgeoisie," oh, ah. she's the maid who says that, like, you know, I don't know. They say, like, she says, "Oh, I'm 53 or whatever," you know. Oh mm. yes, I thought you were going to say it was was from um, Max Monomore. I knew you were hot... going to say Max Monomore. <laughs> Max Monomore looms large. <laughs> Never thought about it again. <laughs> really. <laughs> Ricky brings it up all the time. AJ never talks about it. So there you go. All right. Uh, let's get this done.
The story follows Juliet, played by Julieta Messina, an upmarket housewife who routinely sees visions during her waking hours. One recurring image she sees, for example, is the vision of the buxom and beautiful dancer uh, slash performer who her grandfather fell in love with and ran away with uh, for a, a while. One night she overhears her husband call out a name in the middle of the night, uh, Gabriella, uh, while he sleeps. Juliet attends a clairvoyant shortly after for some advice and is told to spice up her sex life through the use of animal sounds and black fishnet stockings and sangria. Yep. <laughs> That's how you do All it. All the fine things. After overhearing her husband uh, talking over the phone to what must be his mistress, Gabriella, Juliet, de- uh, Juliet decides to go to a private investigator who is tasked with looking into her husband's affairs. Meanwhile, Juliet is delivered a cat as a gift by mistake. It's got a ribbon around its neck with the name Susie on it. And uh, Juliet uh, actually returns the cat to her neighbour, Susie, who uh, uh, it belongs to, and the women are now properly introduced. Susie is kind of a free spirit and her sprawling house is populated by bohemians and weirdos, along with her grandmother who hasn't slept in five years. (laughs) A kindly spirit uh, Juliet regularly consults with, Iris, tells her to learn from Susie. Susie tries to get her to skinny dip and then sunbathe in her treehouse with the company of two young bucks, but Juliet politely takes her leave. The private investigators confirm that her husband is is indeed getting around town with a young model named Gabriella, and while he's out of town, Juliet decides to attend a little soiree at her neighbour Susie's house. The theme of the evening seems to be uh, brothel, or it seems to have a brothel (laughs) flavour. <laughs> yes. Uh, the women attendees spruiking their oddly sensual talents and wares to the men. Juliet decides to get more involved in the proceedings when she meets a model who knows Gabriella. Uh, that's the girl who might be nailing her old man. She chooses a handsome young twink and is guided to the main boudoir. But before she can consummate the affair, she re- receives a troubling image of a, of a woman on fire which is sort of related to something that happened uh, when she was a kid in a play, I think. Uh, Her husband throws a gathering the next day and invites an American psychologist to explore the minds of any guests who are willing. Juliet puts her hand up for the process and her mind is flooded by strange images and emotions, sins of the past, memories from her childhood and lustful temptations. Juliet goes to confront Gabriella at her house, but it's a wash really. Uh, back at home, her husband is packing his bags to go away for a few days, but it's really cl- and it's actually really clear that he's taking off with Gabriella. He somewhat comes clean and admits to Juliet that he's taking up with uh, this model, uh, but assures her that it's nothing irreparable, um, which is which is nice. He leaves Juliet and uh, is over and she's overcome by all the fantasies and visions we've seen throughout the film and more. She discovers a secret room inside. Uh, well, sort of inside her mind, and 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 the inside is a vision of her childhood self tied up and alone. She frees the girl, and it seems that all the visions that were plaguing her pack up and leave. So she enjoys a, a few moments of being alone before the voices in her head return. Juliet, who are you? Friends, we can stay if you want. They say, and uh, she she wanders um, uh, alone with her voices. That is Juliet. Of the spirits. <laughs> I, I came up with a little tagline for this. I don't know if you think it suits, but eat, pray, love meets a beautiful mind on acid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. I like that. Yeah, people seem to mention LSD in those those letterbox reviews, so they seem to think that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that's the film. I mean, I, I got to say, working through the plot took me a while. Yeah. Really. Mm. You know, I reckon uh, if you just saw this off the cuff, you really wouldn't take a lot of it in. Mm. Yeah. you got to pay attention. Do, do you think it's because of the strange sort of dream vision-y sequences that sort of break it up? Because it is a fairly simple story, really. It is. It is. It's just getting that the, there isn't a lot of exposition in terms of, which is good. You know, it's the the, the, the line between ambiguity and and uh being explicit is simply just exposition. And I mean, for example, the cat gets delivered to her house. It says, and she picks it up and she goes, 
oh, the cat is Susie. She think we think the cat's called Susie, and then yeah. just cuts to her going next door with the cat, and then she doesn't even say anything about why she's there or that she's delivering it to Susie. So you've just got to add up all that in your mind, which is fine. But that's just one example of a, of, of a million others where uh, things aren't explicitly said, um, but but you can piece it together. Yep. Well, before we get uh, too deep on it, uh, this film was shown in competition at the 26th Venice International Film Festival. Uh, it received Academy Award nominations for Best Costume Design, Best Set Decoration, and it took out the 1966 Golden Globe Award for Best Foreign Language Film. It seems to have done fairly well, but when I did a bit of sleuthing trying to find out what it grossed worldwide, all I could find was this pitiful $8,734 that IMDb says the gross was worldwide, which I don't believe. It can't be true. I, I, I don't know where, wow. where IMDb gets these figures from, but if it, if it took out the Golden Globe Award for Best Foreign Language mm. Film, it's, it's got to have made something, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think and, uh, uh, I, I, I don't know where, where they've gotten that from. I don't know. What, what do we think? Ju- what, what's Juliet's problem? What's her deal? She's frigid. You've said you've said this. You've made it clear that she doesn't put out enough. Well, she certainly doesn't want to go skinny dipping, or no. or lay around naked with those men. No. Um. So I don't know what the deal is with there. But I thought the ending was really quite haunting. The the yeah. ending's amb- ambiguous as well, don't you think? Like it's it's hard to know what what's next for Juliet. Whether this is a positive thing or a negative thing. But I also, you know, I, I suppose you can always say this about uh, surreal or dreamlike stuff. I'm not certain that Gabriella is real. Mm. And I think that's purposeful. We never meet her. We never see her. We hear her over the phone. And actually her answers, uh, it's actually really deft because she, she goes over to Gabriella's uh, house. How did she find it? We don't know. That's another example of her just appearing there. Maybe she's daydreaming that. Like, she, you know, finding that house is, is a thing, you know. And yep. then um, she talks to Gabriella on the phone and Gabriella says, oh, like basically like she never confirms that she's having an affair. She just says, you know, I don't like to get involved in other people's, uh, you know, other people's personal lives or whatever and leaves it at that. So um, I... I have another theory that might blow your mind. I think Gabriella is cancer. All right. Because, <laughs> no, because there's there's this little moment towards the end of the movie where um, the husband's sitting in the kitchen and he says, I don't know if you picked this up. He says, I went to the doctor today. I didn't tell you, but, and then she interjects and the conversation goes nowhere. So I think he was about to confess that he had cancer. That's interesting. Like, like, so in, in other words, because he does say, I haven't been feeling very well as well. Like he mm. does even, and, and on one level you watch it and you go, oh, you lying prick. But then when you think about it from that other, other angle, you go, wait a minute, maybe because her visions are very ornate and very detailed. And so maybe she is just totally, you know, well, absolutely crazed with jealousy. Well, and she doesn't have the most exciting life. No. Like her life's pretty basic. Mm, it is. She's, her best friends are the maids. <laughs> yeah. So maybe she is making up mad shit in her head. Yeah. Well, that's that's one small problem I had with the film was that Juliet doesn't seem to have any sort of life outside of just ordering her maids around. Like mm. not, not, not in a bad – I mean, she's, she's friendly with them, so she's not like a bitch about it, but just like getting them to do stuff and tending to the house and I guess entertaining guests as well when they arrive. Like and and looking after her two two nieces as well, these mm. cute little girls that are probably two or three years old. And yeah, I mean, outside of that, you, oh, they're not her don't... daughters; they're her nieces. Mm, yeah, are they? Yeah, yeah, they're her nieces. Yeah, oh. yeah, they've got the best scene in the movie. They do. They're so dancing. They dance. so <laughs> Their dancing is for the ages. Like I was just like, that is the cutest thing mm. in the world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, AJ, more random dancing in this film. <laughs> They know they were adorable. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting about about that. I, what I love, I, the more I think about this, the more I'm I'm into it, and and I love the different facets of the movie that it could be taken in different ways. That's really hard to do, but when you think about all of the visions she sees, 
uh, and uh, whether they are memories or you know absolute fabrications whatever they they you can sort of trace a lot of them you can try you can actually say oh, okay i know what that is and when they so when they all jumble together at the end in the same way that they do at the end of like alice in wonderland or something when she's getting chased by everyone in in wonderland like you, you can sort of identify the more you go, oh, that's the grandfather. Oh, that's the principal yeah. at the at the grandfather's school. Oh, they're the people who, and they're the nuns in the play. Oh, they're the tribal dancers from the, uh, you know, the offensive African dancers from the from the circus. Uh, and um, so you can actually, you know, pick them all out. Yeah. Another thing that may be related to my my death or cancer hypothesis is when when she does go to um, Gabriella's house and speaks to her on the phone, um, Gabriella says, basically, you know, it's got nothing to do with me. It's your problem. So, you know, my question was, is that related? Like, is that is that conversation even happening, you know? Mm-hmm. And if it is, should should the other woman take any responsibility for breaking up a marriage? That's the other thought I had. No, that's a good question. AJ, what do you think of homewreckers? <laughs> yeah. Well, and how old are they? How old is Juliet? It's hard to tell. <laughs> In these sorts of because movies, it's really hard to tell. It is. Yeah. I, I find 50, it hard to maybe. place. They say middle-aged, but what is or, or aging or something in some of these reviews, mm. and you just go, what does that even mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to. But, but what, what's middle age in 1965, though? 35. 30. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she's probably 40. Yeah, I reckon yeah, she, she could be forty. Looks like yeah. a, she looks like a a, a smoking forty. Yes, mm. yeah. yeah. Well, nowadays, you know, forty year olds are still, you know, walking around with Star Wars t shirts and, you know, yeah. getting their collectibles. Why the fuck <laughs> would you say all of that? <laughs> and not wearing what Juliet. Wears. Oh, these costumes! How good were the costumes? They're amazing! I oh, love yeah. her hats. Yeah. The hats were yeah. crazy. There's domes and and, yeah. and sort of half shells and it, it does make her look a bit like a lamp though. That one <laughs> that one she wears a lot, which is that domey thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's also semi religious, I think, isn't it? Mm. Like there's something mm. she also wears a white hood at one point, you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder how much religion sort of plays into this movie because she does have that. There is that that flashback scene where she is in some sort of strange. Um, I, I guess it's like uh, you know a, a, a Jesus scene, like de- depicting Jesus on the cross or something. Like she's being burned as a martyr or something. It's, mm. it's very religious. And a then, play from when she was a kid. Yeah, mm. and then the, the the grandfather comes and sort of says, "This is ridiculous. Getting kids to do this shit, you know, like and basically." Basically cuts her down from being suspended on this this fake burning burning bed. But um, yeah, I mean, how much how much? I mean, I've I've heard that Fellini wasn't particularly religious, but he comes from a country that is very mm. very religious. We got that you know? in Eight and a Half as well. He has to Guido has to go and appeal to the cardinal or whatever, yeah. and show him the the script that that they're working on. So it, it it's it's difficult for us being from our perspective now and being so in living in this aggressively secular world. Yeah. Um, and whereas even if people aren't religious in Italy, it seems from, from the, the cinematic uh, angle that, that we're getting uh, this idea that, that there's a very uh, challenging relationship, but a tension yeah. between people who are religious or people who are just clearly secular and, and, but, you know, sort of go through the motions, maybe, or they have. Mm. To, yeah, it's a very interesting setup. Yeah, and then does that come into like if she's going to commit suicide or not at the end? Yes, as well. The suicide mm. thing's interesting because, and that was beautifully set up because we we we're, the the setup earlier is we're told that that a girl she knew when she was a child mm. committed suicide for love in the in the yeah. water, and then she calls to her in in the the fantasy sequence. Mm. Mm. Yeah, well, that's a good question. Who's the burning woman then? I thought the burning woman was was her in a, a childhood. Yeah, mm. maybe. Yeah, but an adult version of her. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But it still had you. Yeah, like I was gripped for the whole thing, and that takes a lot these mm. days with <laughs> my attention span. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there's also a, a sort of a good juxtaposition between Juliet and some of the other characters, like like Val which is one of her friends that comes mm. over. I don't know if you remember who she is. She's 
just this annoying space cadet. She talks about rolling around in the dew naked when she comes over because <laughs> she loves the grass. And, and she pulls out one of Juliet's nose hairs yeah. and con- <laughs> condescendingly says, you know, you're such a good housewife. You know, I mean, mm. that, that, that woman, that character is completely ridiculous in, in, this, in this film and sort of juxtaposes against Juliet, who is much more reserved, much more introspective, you know, is not down with this kind of grotesque um, swinging sort of lifestyle that everyone else is kind of into, you know? <laughs> there is a lot. No, because even there's, is, isn't there another character? There's like a sculptress. Mm. That, oh, yeah. That is I've, one of her She's friends. a horny bitch. Oh, an absolute so horny. horny bitch. She talks about wanting to fuck God and stuff. And she I does. wrote that down. Blondie is a horny bird. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's making these huge sculptures of these ripped mm. men and saying they're sculptures of God that she wants to fuck, you know. Well, and she's making out with someone in the first scene. The first time we meet her pretty much. Yeah. She's, she's yeah. Probably making out. <laughs> Delicious. Yeah, very good. Yeah, there is a, a, a pervasive swinging attitude. Mm. Yeah. And it's know. kind of aggressive too. It is. Yeah. Like trying to get Juliet into it, trying to, you know, trying to get her to leave her man behind. Well, Susie, and... she goes over to Susie's house and Susie lives in what we learned in Jade is called a fuck pad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So William Friedkin's Jade. Fuck, this is this is a fuck pad. So <laughs> it, it's got mirrors on, on the ceiling, mm. a bit like in Basic Instinct actually. And... um. Uh, Susie rolls around on it and goes, "Oh, it's like sometimes you think it's like another couple or whatever." Like <laughs> when you're looking and you go, "Okay, all right, yep." And then she goes, "Oh, come, Ju- Julieta!" And then she looks. Uh, Julieta looks over and she's she slid down a a like a metal slide into some hot uh, a hot pool that she's got down below. And the entrance to the to the slide is actually an oyster. You know that the cut out. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah. that's another. You know, come on, <laughs> sexy. And then she's a. And by the way, her friend uh, Susie's immediately naked in the water. Yeah. You know, so she's going, "Come on in, it's great." And she's like, "No, no." The next uh, time is in the, the tree house, in her sexy tree house. Mm. Yeah, um, where she's like, you know, get all your clothes off. Yeah, for a three-way. For a three-way, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's clear, isn't it? Because the two guys go up and then, yeah, and she's not part of it. Mm. It could have been a four-way then. It sort of reminded me in many respects uh, of Eyes Wide Shut. It seemed like that that um, Juliet was is on a similar journey to uh, Tom Cruise's character in, in Eyes Wide Shut, sort of wandering around, people tempting him, and he's racking, you know, sort of uh, wringing his hands about, you know, his wife getting railed by some hot hunk, mm. you know. So it's the same sort of sort of deal. And her trying to, yeah, to work out where she fits in. Yes, because she's being told all the time, this is what you should be doing, and she's kind of fighting that. Mm. Well, just just in that it, struggle, in her sort of ascent to the boudoir, when they're encouraging her to nail the godson, they're, they're walking up the stairs and and in Su- of, of Susie's house, and there are a couple there are couples making out in different rooms, mm. but all the chicks seem to be necking stiffs. Are, are they all dead? <laughs> I think they're dead. That, that is a, a interesting. They, they certainly are unresponsive, mm. and it's weird. Like they're not. It's completely. There's no passion in the in the. The, the, the women are like succubi. 
And mm. the first woman we see goes, ah, and she's got like yeah. lipstick all <laughs> over her yes, face. Yeah. And you go, ooh. And so yeah. everyone, the men, the women are kind of mauling these, as you say, these cadaver-like men. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Sexy. But, but the, and the light <laughs> plays a really interesting part in in that. Yes, that's like sequence. He... It's almost, it's all dark and there's a flashlight. Mm. So a spotlight yeah. with, is 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 picking out these characters one by one. And I like the spotlight when they when they're walking up in the rain to go and see the psychic. Yes. And it's there's no light and then yes. but they're followed by the spotlight and then but when we get there it's full of light. Yes. Like it's like in that ne- the next day. Mm. It's it's that well lit. Yeah. And 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 what do you guys think of this this man slash woman guru that she goes to see? <laughs> It's like the, one of the most grotesque people in in the film. You know. <laughs> right, well, again, it reminds. It always reminded me of other stuff. It reminded me a bit of because it's Italian. It reminded me of some of the people in Suspiria. Yeah, same histrionic <laughs> screaming and seize, mm. you know seizing up and yeah, 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 all that <laughs> and like weird regurgitation sort of noises mm. and. Yes. But that's that that's the interesting thing. Like you can't call Fellini a total pigman because he uh, um he likes um homely and downright gross women as well. Mm. Like it's not like it would be different if it was if he was like Russ Meyer or Brian De Palma or something where yeah, it's just like just tens. Just just, just tens, <laughs> endless tens, you yeah. know? Yeah. And 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 you go, Okay, all right, I know what you're all about. This but, is more like Salo. <laughs> that's the thing. It, that's what makes it artsy. Like, because if because mm. even David Lynch is guilty. Because Mulholland Drive's just got a couple of tens. We're just following a couple yeah. of tens around, you know, like making out and having a good time. And uh, and this one is just like, yeah, interesting, gross women, and and so, <laughs> and that'll get your awards. That's how. That's yeah. how the <laughs> yes. But I was thinking, is is this an anti-sex positive film? Because the, the the people that are all into the swinging lifestyle and trying to tempt Juliet to be a part of it, like like they're not they're not outstanding, you know, upstanding citizens. They're not they're, they're kind of grotesque, you know. You don't want to be like that. Well, go go with your emotion. Like like Fellini, I think would be he doesn't like ideology and he doesn't like the intellect really. So um, he would just he would be happy. Uh, I'll speak for for him and say <laughs> that that I I I think that he would be happy if we just went with the emotion of it, and he he would just say, well, what do you feel? And you go, well, I feel repulsed, like by all those people, and they're either their their energy is either really aggressive or scary, or it's not sexy, it's not erotic, it's they're not they're not supportive and comforting. You know, and and leading and wanting to have a good time, a a, a pleasure filled time, you know, uh, where it's fun. You know, we're having fun. It's not that it's scary and weird and and odd. Well, I had a headache at the start. It's like mother or climax, like the people coming in and the circling, and, yeah. yeah, which was kind of similar to last week in eight yeah. and a half. There's similar scenes, but yeah, and it's not as intense as. Mother and Climax, <laughs> but it's still there. It had aspects. Yeah. Just the overwhelming feeling. Yes, I know what you mean. Mm. I, I had a question for you, AJ. Is is the neighbor's godson handsome? No. No? What? what why are his eyebrows so far apart? Did you notice this? <laughs> this was Keeper or Creeper Extra. Sorry. What are you talking about? Oh. <laughs> Dipping into Keeper. Well, maybe it's time for Keeper then. Jeepers, Creepers, where'd you get those peepers? Jeepers, Creepers, where did you get those eyes? Creepers. All right. Okay. Well, look, it's only a short one today because, look, for some reason, it's Keeper or Creeper, by the way, AJ. But because uh, it was a, it was an odd film to pick mm. out from. I, I, you know, the, the husband. I didn't really feel that he he should be put on the menu because. You know, I thought that would be a definite creeper because he doesn't ha- he's not Marcello. It's sort of like Marcello, mm. all the stuff he was doing, but without him. So yeah, 
and, and I learned from last week I'm not going to fall into the trap, you know, because if I became <laughs> okay. a creeper and then I'd go, okay, all right, well, no. I, I want to be interesting. Well, we'll come back to that godson in a second. I, I want to know him. But I picked out for you in this film uh, Susie's partner, Momi, okay? So Momi is 65. <laughs> he is bald with a beautiful earring. <laughs> He wants to make love every day, and he does. <laughs> Uses the slide after making love, so he's a bit fun, mm. you know. And in that one scene we sort of see him, he's, he's wearing a fun hat as well. <laughs> I do like a good hat. And, I, and he might have sort of a, look, I don't want to be, I don't want to go down this road, but he did have sort of an ethnic look. Mm. That's true. You know how I like him. People don't say that enough now. They don't, say, don't you think people don't say like you know? Oh, he had a bit of an ethnic look. Yeah, or, she was a bit. Mm. She was a bit ethnic. Like, people don't say mm. that. Maybe we should bring it back. I think so. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, Momi was a bit ethnic. Was Momi also mm. helping out the the psychic guru man yes. woman as well? Yeah, is that true? Yeah, he was. He yeah, was part of I that. think they doubled yeah. up on a couple of roles. Yeah, I I think like either he was and... playing two roles or or that mm. was him. Um, yeah, well, because Susie was playing Iris, Susie, and the dancer all the same. Sandra Milo. Mm. So anyway, that's Momi. Um, okay. What tell me <laughs> what you think of Momi? I liked the earring. Bit bit pirate esque, wasn't it? It was but because it, do you, do you think if a man's going to have an earring? Because I know it's twenty twenty three. Or up for whatever, right? So if if I've got the what, what's the difference if I've got the stud, or if oh. I've got the ring, or what if mm. I've got a big pearl? <laughs> what's the difference between those those three? I think it's your ethnicity. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so in his culture, the pearl is is more masculine and yeah, maybe. and hot. You're right. It, it was definitely pirate. Mm. Pirate theme. Okay. Mm. Yeah. She's a smoke show, so he's doing well. Punching. Yeah. Punching up, yeah. is he? Yeah, she was hot. She was like, she, she's aggressive though. She'd be doing, I mean, getting into a different area here, but I feel like she'd be doing that that showgirls dance, aggressive yes, dancing. Yes, definitely. And she'd be like going, ah, like growling <laughs> at you and you're going, ah. <laughs> and, you're you scared. Know? That's yeah, why she needs scared. a gross guy. <laughs> Someone that's up for anything. <laughs> uh, he loves the mirror. He loves the slide. He yeah. loves it all. And, and what a pig. He's having sex every day with her. Yeah. You know. So, so anyway, Momi, keep or a creep, what have we got here? Uh, I, I can't have sex with her. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's so a creeper then. Creeper. <laughs> Well, okay, fair enough. I kind of knew he wasn't going to get over the line, but I, I but I did have a question in Keeper Creeper or Creeper Extra about the godson. So, you know, because he's held up as as a vision of of eroticism, you know, because mm. he's the one that uh, that Juliet might go to bed with. So, what, what what are we looking at here? Is he? Well, you call you called him a twink. I did, yeah, and he's yeah. very lafemi. Mm. Um. Uh, some people would really like his his eyes mm. and that color um, combination. Yeah, because um, he was tanned and Eth- ethnic look. Really, no, oh, but but not traditional. Um, not aggressively ethnic is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> like he had beautiful eyes to go with. Yeah, it's it's a bit different, and some people are into that. Okay. Um, yeah. This kind of guy has had a grip on Italy and I guess other cultures like well all cultures really that kind of guy has a real you know he appears a lot this sort of la femme mm. guy and it's usually like an old professor who wants to fuck him you know Yeah definitely yeah like in death in venice and stuff like it's always this sort of like yeah just like wanting to throw it all away to get this young twink I mean is could this, yeah. are these twinks worth it or what I don't think I so. I don't think so. Yeah. He wasn't very charismatic or, no. 
Not for me. Not for me. All right. Well, that's good. That's that. Thank you for that keeper or creeper extra. Uh, and um, yeah, better luck next week. Creeper sweep. The main man's back next week, though, isn't he? Mm-mm-mm. He is, but you know, it, well, the, you'll have to deal with whether his character traits, you know, that's right, bring him over the line or 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 kick him out. I've I've got a quote that I have to share with you guys. Um, I'm sure you'll appreciate this. Take a swim, buy a horse, jump obstacles. But above all, tell your husband to make love more often. Nothing's better for toothaches and spirits. Oh. Yeah, it's good advice. Um, <laughs> it was, that was said by an absolute pig man It was, as well. yeah. This Italian doctor, they're hanging out with him at the beach. There's also a, a really good uh, and creepy sort of vision after that with the horses that, that are sort of on the float. There's two that sort of look dead and... Or maybe there's one that's kind of dead and two that are standing up that are like, yeah, it's quite uh, confronting. Well, you know, just to go through a couple of my favourite bits and you can tell me some of yours. I love uh, the 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 school play they put on when uh, she's a kid. So Juliet's uh, childhood memory of she's, I guess, sort of playing a Joan of Arc style yeah. saint that's getting roasted by the Romans, and um, the nuns are all in this 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 these really weird purple robes, and that we never see their faces, and they move in unison. These nuns and uh, and it's I love school plays that are inappropriate or realistic, like in Adam's Family Values, or is it Adam's Family where they put on the, the play? No, Adam's they, Family Values, yeah, the second one. <laughs> they put on the wonderful play and make the blood everywhere. But also in Rushmore, they put it, do lots of great mm. plays in Rushmore. Uh, you know, I always loved that. So this was this was totally wonderful. It, it, it was a bit Ken Russell Devils-esque, don't you think? Yes, well, mm. this is before that, so you've got to say oh. Ken Russell's a bit Fellini. Yeah, actually, fucking Ken Russell would love Fellini. Yeah, he is the the British Fellini. Really, it's hard to find people that did love him though. Like other than Scorsese and Lynch, I thought that more people would be more influenced by him. Well, yeah, I'd have to look into it. I think they all love him. Uh, all the all the big people. I'm sure that. Cronenberg and everyone would just be all about him. I'll, I'll see how, how many times I can find before next week. See if I can look and see uh, if Eight and a Half is on anyone else's list. I reckon it's on all of their lists. Woody Allen would be a huge fan. I had a bit of digging, but I didn't find much because I was just surprised. Right, yeah, next, for next week. And other scenes we liked. Juliet's meltdown at the end was great. Oh, that is good. Yeah. Like her seeing all the all the kinkos everywhere, like this one. Mm. Uh, like the <laughs> yeah. And what about the woman that's up against the tree and she's all oiled up mm. and there's that s- giant snake wrapped oh, around her? Oh, yeah. Love that. Yeah. Love that. That's great. I, I think that that's in the same scene, right? And then she yells, yeah, she tells absolutely. them to fuck off, basically. Well, because all sinful stuff, yeah. you know. Mm. Mm, serpent sex. Yes. I'm upset that she – well, I don't know if I'm upset, actually. But I'm uh, – it's interesting that she didn't. We don't know if she overcame everything and if she's better off without him or not. Yeah, I find that interesting. Like it would have been a different movie if she'd banged Jose. Um, yeah, twink. <laughs> or the twink. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, Jose. She should have gotten Stephen Silvani. Yes. <laughs> well, there was that other guy that was like came up to her and basically said, "Oh, is there is there any chance?" For you and I, I know we're good friends, but you know, mm. is was there ever he a, a lawyer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He seemed very, um, I don't know, reserved like on and her respectful. Level, yeah. yeah, on her level too. Mm. I think she should have mm. like taken off of that guy. Yeah, I wondered. I wondered if her problem was her an inability to frigid, <laughs> frigid, but her in, her inability to be alone. Yeah, or because the end reminded me. Uh, 
of taxi driver because you know you think that travis is okay and he's driving away and then then the last thing we see is him like creepily looking in the mirror and and we you know you go oh no like he's back and this was the mm. same she was alone outside and we got this moment of peace she actually did do the traditional cinematic thing which is going inside yourself and releasing the the demons and they all actually pretty much in one big group went away and then mm. she's outside and Iris or someone like her, the, this voice in her head said, oh, we're friends. Do you, do, you, do you want us to, you know, to hang around? And then she, and the implication she, on her face was that she was going to let them all back in again and, and, mm. and, and start daydreaming. But then maybe, maybe going circling back to our, the, where we were at the beginning, maybe her visions and, and her, her daydreaming and, and her inability to be in, in, in reality is the reason she's pushed everyone away, including her husband. So that could be why she's alone at the end. Mm. Or her husband's nailing a model. We don't know. Or dying of cancer. Or, di- or, the, can- or the cancer thing. <laughs> mm. All right. Well, let me get into my trivia here before we tackle the Me Too meter. Uh, Fellini claimed, to, uh, claimed that he took LSD in preparation for the making of this film, which a bunch of people have, have mentioned that. So, John, you'll love this one. May West was approached about a role in this film. Amazing. She would have been perfect. She she should have been in this. She she absolutely she should have been in this. She it's it's a very May West movie. Yep. For sure. Uh and my last piece of trivia is actually quite interesting. The soundtrack for Juliet of the Spirits was mentioned in a profile of actor Steve Buscemi which notes that a Victrola sits in Buscemi's dining room with the theme music for Juliet of the Spirits permanently on its, t- on its turntable. So he's wow. a big fan. That's great. So permanently there. <laughs> or or as, a, as a letterboxed uh, reviewer said, an, an absolutely intolerable score. <laughs> yes, yeah, I read that, yes. Which I, I think like, is a bit unfair. What? I thought that was that's a ludicrous comment. I thought the score was was glorious. Yeah, but I guess we like that Italian stuff. Like, yeah, I mean, it's weird. Did you not like weird mixture of circus and exotica and and kind of light jazz music? And that that six. Well, that I think I think his problem is probably the the electronic or that sixties aggressive electronic organ that's kind of in a lot of this mm. this era of. Of Italian kind of film scores, which I, you know, I, I appreciate it. All right, is it time? Yes, me too, Mita. Well, look, I only got a few things here. Uh, we, we sort of spend our time on 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 some other stuff, but I think there's enough to be going on. Uh, the telling comment, uh, which Ricky's already mentioned from one of Juliet's uh, male acquaintances at the beach, upon hearing about her tendency to daydream, he tells, uh, he says, tell your husband to make love to you more often, uh, which he says is a cure. Uh, I mean, that's the answer for everything uh, to these pigs. Uh, you just need to get a fat one in you. <laughs> uh, the film is ahead of its time with the inclusion of an LGBTQI character called uh, Pijma, a clairvoyant uh, or a man-woman, as they say in this, who holds the secret of both sexes. Uh, I think they've missed out a few sexes there, a few other genders perhaps, but I, I think I get what they mean. I, I will ha- I would have liked to have seen this character given a little more to do than writhe and screech freakishly on her bed. <laughs> on its bed, rather. Uh, it was also offensive to have this character school a heterosexual cis white woman on her relationship. Plus, uh, she gave her good advice uh, that was unheeded. She said, make these weird animal noises, get kinky, buy some fishnets. Uh, just another example of the silencing of the trans community, um, uh, of what sounds like uh, truly valuable insight, I think. <laughs> Susie, another cis white woman, lives next door to Juliet and on one level she is a privileged coloniser like all white women but on another level she believes in polyamory uh, and fucks old dudes and Mm. holds brothel parties which can only mean that she knows that sex work is real work which is is good. Uh, But as you can see, Susie really does hold all the right kind of views Extreme promiscuity and sexual perversion are proven methods for making up for cis whiteness. So take note, ladies. 
it's just another way you can sort of uh, uh, get out of um, you know your crimes. But the biggest crime of this film is the uh, meta uh, sex crimes committed against Giulietta Messina by her husband Federico Fellini. He allegedly says he wants to give her a gift by casting her in this film. Uh, well, you know, maybe let her write it and direct it then, uh, I say, lean out, uh, Frederico, <laughs> you, you fat fuck. <laughs> Secondly, he constructs a narrative about a philandering husband and his poor suffering wife who has to sit around and daydream about it. Meanwhile, Fellini casts a woman he's allegedly been playing patty cake with in the role of Juliet's breezy, sexy neighbour. This is honestly like something Jigsaw would come up with. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so how do we punish this arch misogynist? Give him some more accolades. If you watch this movie, you are complicit in the crimes of the filmmakers. That's the rule now. So I hope you enjoyed this one, Ricky, because you are basically a sex pest now by proxy. Congratulations. <laughs> and he is for how many times he's said frigid. Yeah. <laughs> come up a lot. So I feel like, you know, maybe that maybe that that's something we could add here. It's pretty much all I've got, but you know, uh, the idea that, uh, you know, um, Juliet won't engage in, in these perfectly normal uh, sexual activities uh, uh, put forward by everyone around her uh, is, is probably a, a mark against the film. You know, uh, the fact that she's, um, you know, they're, they're all suggesting, you know, just nice normal things like fucking multiple people and doing all of that. And she's like, oh, no, thank you. I just want to be with my husband and, like, have this. And everyone's like, oh, disgusting. Like, you know. Yeah. You freed your bitch. <laughs> well, one one thing you missed is her her mother telling her to wear more makeup. Oh, God, yes. How could I miss that? Very good. Yes. Yes, that was perfect. Her mother hates her. (laughs) But what does the mother want her to be like or to do? I don't don't get it. Mm. Like, just be hotter. Yeah. Be hotter. Wear wear this makeup. Be hotter. Mm. Well, no no Bechdel test this this week. Oh, my goodness. I'm embarrassed. There is a Bechdel test. We always start with Heavens to Bechdel, and and now we're doing it after the fact. So let's just, you know, let's just get right into this, Ricky. Thank you very much. Bechdel test is, and I'm glad. See, this is what the the audience is saying the same thing. They listened, they listened, and they were like, they sat up in their car or whatever, and they said, hang on. Hang on a minute. Where's the Bechdel test? (laughs) And that's the right, that's fucking right, people. If you're wondering where the Bechdel test, here it is, okay? It's an informal way to evaluate bias against women in films and other media. Uh, and a work is said to pass the Bechdel test if it has two named women who talk to each other about something other than a, other than a man. Now, Juliet and her mother, as we've just, as Ricky just pointed out, they do talk to each other, but it is her mother telling her to put on some lipstick mm-hmm. to appease men, because as Ricky knows, lipstick and rouge uh, are there to simulate um, uh, sexual flush. Yes. <laughs> I believe, I believe we learned that from Dr. Jordan Peterson. Yes, and women love it when you talk about this particular thing and, and talk about it like it's true. You say, you do that because you're, you're trying to make it look like you've just had sex. At work. And <laughs> at work. So anyway, uh, Susie mainly talks to, uh, well, she talks to Susie, her neighbour, but as we know, Susie mainly talks to Julia about getting nude um, and that's not good. Um, Julia does talk to her sister a bit. Mm. But it's mainly about infidelity of her yeah. husband. Mm. So, it does a bit of a ball breaker. Yes, the sister is a bit uh, shrew, shrewish. Mm. Uh, but, you know, so I can't really think of any other women who talk to each other of anything substantial. Like She, she talks to the maids, but that's all about domestic sort of stuff. Yeah. I guess so. And, and that's she talks to work. the crazy lady and she's just all about the diets. Yeah. She's got to lose weight and stuff. So, yeah, no. Nah. Okay. So, I, I think this is a failure of the Bechdel mm. test, unfortunately. Mm. So, that, that's that. Um, so, on these charges, did anything else jump out at you from the film? Or? Well, there's the, the there's the black dudes in the circus, right? Like, um, yeah. <laughs> They're around. <laughs> and one of the guys has a G-string. Know, but none, none of the, of the other others. Guys. <laughs> I noticed that. <laughs> Because I looked at the G-string and I was like, ooh, what's, what do we got here? And then I went, oh, mm. that's a dude. What? And so, 
<laughs> so I don't know. That's, I your, that's your bi-curious tendencies coming out. You can that's now right. call yourself bisexual. There was an inordinate amount of cultural appropriation in the film. Mm-hmm. So we had sort of a Indian like a Hindu woman doing, you know, in the full sari doing stuff. So that's offensive. You know, there were there were black people in it and they weren't the main characters. So that's that's a no no. Um, I don't know. Like there was just a whole bunch of stuff where where I was like, mm. there's there's that vision on the beach with the with the horses, but then this barge kind of opens up and then there's just like this array of absolute freaks and geeks in there. Mm. A bunch mm. of whom I think are of colour as well. Yeah, well, that says everything. Uh, so, you know, again, just just Italy, just Italy so white, Italy using its, its uh, I don't know, hegemonic power mm. against mm. Um, the people of colour. Mm. So, yeah, that's that's what we got. What do we, what do we reckon? I, I don't think it rates high. No, neither do I. I, I think this would pass the, the, the purity test. Could you show this? Could you show this anywhere and people would be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, because of Susie. Well, but also mm. because there's a there's you know there's a female lead as well, mm. even though she's color. frigid. Yeah. <laughs> I should have, we should have played a drinking game. <laughs> yes. Mark's been blind. <laughs> I'm just trying to pop it in any time I can now, <laughs> just to see John's face. But yeah. I I don't know. I I just think I think this is a kind of movie that that that. Just people wouldn't watch. Work people just wouldn't watch this because there's no obvious message about oppressors and oppressed and, you know, minorities prevailing over the system or there's no representation of dis- disabled people or, you know, or morbidly obese people or they just, <laughs> they just, this would not be on their radar at all. And if you played because... it, I just, just wouldn't know what they were looking at. But Fellini has said, and and I really love this, he, he articulates it in Eight and a Half. He has that bore who's harassing Guido the whole time about mm. intellectual stuff and and he's not interested. He's interested in dreams and images and feelings and um and when it, and and really ideological people and these the the people now who think that stories are just morals or just yeah, manuals for your life, as we say, or whatever, uh they can't handle uh non ideological art. So mm. Image-based stuff. That's why you know they're endlessly talking about. They'll look at a Goya and they'll endlessly talk about, I don't know, something he, how he much he hated women or whatever. And you just go, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think of the painting? Yeah, mm. like it's a painting of like you know, it, it's got nothing to do with that. And 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 so everything in this movie, I think, is so. I, I do think that a woke person would, you know, just look at it and not. And the fact that it's Italian. It, even though they are all white people, they might be like, you know, thinking it's a bit exotic. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like they'd be like, oh, they they they'd probably go, oh, well, it's not Korean, but it's still a bit, <laughs> it's still a bit foreign. And you go, and you go, do you know that like Korea, by comparison, has probably like you know, they've got human rights abuses going on there. And they, yeah, I know, but the it's a, movie's a bit exotic in that, and and like zero immigration too, like. Mm. Yeah, so it's a, it's a, it's one of those things. So uh, I think that they they would give it a pass for being exotic. The Guardian, they do. I, I reckon I could definitely see them doing a five out of five review yeah. on yeah. the Guardian, yeah. where they go, I think it got four oh, out of five. Juliet, <clears throat> Juliet of the Spirit, um, you know, still mesmerizing after all this year, after all mm-hmm. this time, and you go, ah, oh, yes, very good. I think you're right about the female lead. Yeah, well, I think it's I think it's a five. All right, give five. Mm. No Ashley Judd this week. I've been I've been hanging out for the boobometer. Me too, every week. Well good. Um that's that's good. And and uh, because, you know, we we got um a couple of sets in this. Uh I counted, you know, at least four boobs in total. Maybe six. There was two uh, of the Venus figure at the end that we might have half seen not sure quality get this huge debt beautifully formed albeit in statue form with the torso featuring a stern looking eagle <laughs> yes so we've got yes. um an eagle-headed uh breasted woman 
All I got to say is that eagle's got great knockers, mm. you know, so that's great work. Um, but we do catch a brief glimpse of one of Juliet's visions at the end, uh, you know, where she pulls um, sort of uh, these shutters aside and and these boobs are right in front of her face. I mean, that's that's the dream, Ricky. And um, uh, dare I say, nipples on the darker side. Ooh, slightly <laughs> ethnic. Well, slightly ethnic. We've said it earlier. So a bit of an ethnic look. But, but AJ, most importantly, natural. Uh, a bit of a shimmy motion. So uh, bravo, il maestro. Okay. Does it get half a slide whistle? or uh, Half a slide whistle because, you know, unfortunately it was it was a little, little brief. Because you mentioned Max Monomore, AJ didn't earlier. And um, that had... Just an endless scene of these big bosoms, yes. you know. Uh, so, so this was very, very brief. Um, but so, so is life in many ways. So, uh, very good. Well, on to reviews uh, in the New York Times. Stephen Holt, uh, sorry, Stephen Holden, uh, wrote uh, of a revival in two thousand and one. Fellini went deliriously, and uh, Fellini went deliriously and brilliantly bananas with the color to create a rollicking through the looking glass series of tableaus evoking a woman's troubled psyche. Roger Ebert gave the film four stars out of four and included it in his 2001 list of the great movies. Uh, Kevin Thomas of the Los Angeles Times praised the film, writing Fellini's 1965 Juliet of the Spirits remains a timeless major work of a master, a portrait of a dutiful wife plunged into crisis that triggers her spiritual awakening. Uh, Strangely enough, the film was... Uh, was less well received in Italy. So Giovanni Grazzini wrote that uh, Juliet's marital crisis is suffocated by the sinographic luxury, the clamor or the tenderness of the colors, the bizarre splendor of the costumes, although sometimes there is an authentic heartbeat of humanity. So they wanted it to be dark and ominous. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> thought, thought that the over-the-top colors and stuff got in the way, maybe. But it is all about visions and stuff. So I don't know. Dreams. Stunning. Yeah, it's weird. Mm. Now, which brings me on to, which is becoming a regular feature now, the IMDb review. Ooh. Someone calling themselves Alan Tess 4 wrote in 2001, uh, boring and overindulgent <laughs> artsy movie, four out of ten. Okay, perhaps I'm committing a mortal sin by putting down a Fellini movie, but I fail to see what all the commotion is about this film. I will grant that the images of the film were striking and the use of colours was rather interesting and experimental, considering that this was Fellini's first colour film. Uh, The fact that he was dropping acid whilst filming doesn't surprise me in the least. However, I have never looked at my watch more often than sitting in this film. I found it utterly slow moving and extremely boring with the barest tinge of a plot. Perhaps my tastes don't appreciate the value of people sitting around in in a brightly coloured garden of a brightly coloured house, wearing brightly coloured clothing for 30 minutes whilst nothing is actually happening. If I want to see beautiful images that do nothing, I'll go to an art museum and look at paintings. Oh, wow. So even <laughs> art museums are no good. <laughs> what, what I love about these IMDb reviews is it gives you an insight into what the average person would think about these sorts of films. You know what I mean? Like this is what we're up against. Mm. Well, yeah, and, and uh, again, you know, it's, it's, uh, you're right. It's absolutely fascinating because hearing from Ebert, like most people would just not know well, know who he is, know what he's talking about, like, you know, but hearing these reviews when someone's just caught it on, t- you know, television or whatever, they've <laughs> the picked it out movie. on Amazon Prime, <laughs> they've just clicked on it and said, oh, this looks interesting, mm. and they've watched it and they're just outraged and, uh, yeah. To start the review off with boring. <laughs> boring. <laughs> yes. It's it's anything but boring, though. Like, you could say it's long, you could say it gets tedious or whatever, or, you know, you could struggle with aspects of it, but you couldn't say it was boring. Like, what, what other movie have you seen that's like this, you know? Well, I don't think it's boring. I, I, there's too much. I, I, I usually would usually interrogate a person like this and say, okay, like, so, yeah, you'd need to establish if this is boring, what's not boring. I'd yeah, say, yeah, so yeah. Tell, me what, tell me what you like that's not boring, you know, and not that I'm going to, 
put them completely on trial, but but I'd need to know. Like, and I'd say, and it's not all. You don't have to have seen every work should stand on its own. But I'd say, okay, this is a Fellini movie. You've seen any of his movies? Like, this is a late Fellini movie. Is this the only one you've seen? Because I wouldn't be opening with this if this was yeah. if we were getting into Fellini. Uh, but it's certainly not boring, and I thought it was fucking really one of the one of the most interesting films we watched. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, by far. You know, I mean, Hard Bodies comes close. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And uh, the Beach Girls was good too. Yes, indeed. <laughs> good for the boobometer. Oh, yeah. It was. Mm, yes. Yeah. Felicity. 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 Now, I always like to save the big stuff till the very end. With Felicity, I think I had a chubby the whole time. <laughs> well, it's basically a porno. You made us watch a porno, John. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It was so good. It was a great film. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't read out this Letterbox review. Oh, so so this is you sent me this from from Letterbox. Yep. Someone had had posted this review. Um, I don't have their name, so uh, but they just said Federico Fellini likes parties, milfs, <laughs> dislikes men, religion. <laughs> yes, yes, that was good. Great review. Yeah. That That's that site's quite good. <laughs> it is good. Yeah. It's, good. it's got some good stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, what's on the menu for next week? City of Women. We're going to close it out with, uh, I suppose, one of his later pictures. I feel like it's like 1980 or something. It's getting getting right up there. Oh, wow. Or thereabouts. Uh, City of Women. So, yeah, that's 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 where we're going to we're going to leave it. But I'm I'm I got to say I'm. I'm really warming to Fellini. I really, I want to, I want to go, I want to go deep. Mm. Uh, you know, it's um, it's uh, worthy of our time. Definitely. You know? Well, we said what we said. Yeah, we said what we said, and um, um, and when we re- talk about um, being a little bit ethnic, it's it's definitely good. It's, it's a good thing. Yeah, we're all down with it. Absolutely. <laughs> just, well, just had to clarify that, right? You just had to clarify. <laughs> I'll say to those people, if you think I'm not interested in, in ethnics, just yeah. check my hard drive. <laughs> <laughs> check them. I'll tell you what, all the colours of the rainbow, man. <laughs> like right? a bag of Skittles. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Oh. Uh, well, uh, until next time, Long Live the New Flesh. And remember, Sideboob Cinema will we'll save Cinema. cinema. I almost got it. Should put some echo on at the end there. Cinema, cinema, cinema. Actually, you should totally do that. Mm. Okay, I will. We'll save cinema. Cinema. What the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Juliet of the Spirits can fuck off. (laughs) 